um, I'm breaking every rule in the book because I think I've written three little messages and glued them all together, which um, most people would say isn't communication 101, but let's see what happens. Let's strap in. We're going on a journey. Have you been enjoying this This Is Big series? Look, it's a bad question, to be honest. I should be saying, have you been applying This This Is Big? Ooh, that's a harsher way to start the sermon, isn't it? Get everyone on side. You know, This Is Big is only big if this is, is planted, right? This is big is all about taking every moment, every circumstance, and letting God use it as an opportunity for growth. Because when we, know, we know that when faith is applied, things grow. But a seed will only grow if it is planted. So I encourage you to plant what you hear on a Sunday into your life by applying it and putting it into action. In the second week of This Is Big, Big, This Is Big, This Is Big, Pastor Aaron in brackets, Dad, spoke an incredible message on how we approach Jesus. Do we approach him as saviour or good teacher and how big the difference is in our approach to Jesus? And then in the second week, Mum came with a message about how stress plus rest equals growth. Each Sunday is a seed that we can choose to plant and apply in our life. This is big, is all about falling in love with the process and not a product. Today I've crammed these three thoughts together because I think they're all about people. And I believe that who we hang around, who we are as people, and who we believe in are all big things. I heard a statement recently, and it was a suggestion that we are the average of the five people we hang around most. You are the average of the five people you hang around most. Now, that's a pretty bold statement to make, right? But I did some research into this, and I found these two guys called Nicholas Christakis and James Fowler, who investigated this theory. And in fact, what they found was, with the introduction of social media, we are not the average of the five people that we hang around most. It's actually much deeper than that. And they did this bizarre study into obesity. And they found that if you had a friend who was obese, you were 45% more likely to gain weight in the next two to four years. Crazy, right? But what's even crazier was they found that if you had a friend who had a friend who was obese, you were still 20% more likely to gain weight, even if you didn't know that friend. And if you had a friend of a friend of a friend who was obese, you were still 10% more likely than random chance to gain weight. Pretty crazy, isn't it? Now, I didn't look too deeply into that research. I read it in some article on a newspaper site, but... But I'm pretty sure that Christakis and Fowler were onto something because I know that the writer of Proverbs 13, just a few years earlier than Fowler, wrote, walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. 
I think who we hang around matters. I think this is big. Please don't shoot me down right now thinking that I'm about to suggest that you need to eradicate all of the bad influences in your life and just hang out with the Christians. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I would ask you to be more aware of who you let influence you in life, whether they be Christian or non-Christian. The people we hang around, and yes, the people we follow and like on social media have an influence over our life. Oh, but they don't influence me. It's all about who's the influencer, who's the stronger party in this relationship. Yes, that is, that is true to a degree. And yes, you could claim scriptures like, he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. Yes, also true. But do you really think that you are having the influence at the nightclub on the Friday night? Do you really think that you are having the influence by joining in on that conversation that you felt like you couldn't just sit there and be silent on? Do you really think that maybe you were just influenced a little bit? Harsh way to start a message, isn't it? I'm not going to spit answers to these problems up here, and I'm not going to suggest that you have to have a certain amount of good friends and bad friends and that you can only go to these locations and not these locations. I'm not going to do that because we're mature here at Eastlake, right? Yeah. Yeah. My prayer is that you would read your word, that you would ask God to speak to you, and that when you hear from God, you would act on it. People are messy. We are all messy. And so to find some sort of neat answer to this problem isn't going to happen. But what I will say is in Proverbs 11.1, 1, it says, The Lord detests the use of dishonest scales, but he delights in accurate weights. The Lord detests the use of dishonest scales. Sometimes I think these scales are in our mind. I think at times in our mind we can be saying, yeah, oh, they're not having that big of an influence on me or I'm only going to do it for a little while and then I'm going to do this thing over here and we weigh things in our mind. But we use dishonest scales. We're convincing ourselves and, and I think you know, I know, we know when we're doing this. When we've pulled out the old dodgy scales and started doing some creative accounting up in our mind, what I want you to do is recognize it. Because as soon as you recognize it, you'll be able to make the right decision. As soon as you go, oh, I'm using dishonest scales in my mind, you'll, you'll know. The answer will be right in front of you. It'll be the answer that you're probably trying to avoid. Who we hang around matters, but who we are matters more. Who we hang around matters, but who we are matters more. Who are you? How do you treat the people around you? I believe that there are three types of people in our lives. Not the type A, type D, or whatever the HR department is categorizing people with at the moment. I'm talking a little simpler than that. I believe that there are three types of people in our lives. People who are coming, people who are staying, and people who are going. People who are coming, people who are staying, and people who are going. And as I read the gospel, 
I see a man who spent three years in ministry, in public ministry, and he had a lot of people coming, staying, and going in his life. He welcomed tax collectors into his life. He taught his disciples, and he was even betrayed by one of those very disciples. Who we hang around matters, but who we are matters more. So what does Jesus' response to the three types of people in his life teach us about who we should be? I'll give you the punchline right up front. Jesus shows us that we should welcome those who are coming, share with those who are staying, and celebrate those who are going. Welcome those who are coming, share with those who are staying, and celebrate those who are going. Let's look at the first story, one of those tax collectors that I talked about with Jesus in Luke 19, verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, whatever your name is. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up at him and he said, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, whatever your name is, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the Thank you. Great engagement. Just being sarcastic, sorry. I want to skip over all the parts of that story that you may have heard in Sunday school. I want to skip over the bits of how scandalous it was for Zacchaeus to climb that tree and how scandalous it was for Jesus to invite himself over for dinner. And I want to focus on verse 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Oh, Jesus. What have you done? Is he really that guy? Do you see what he did there? He invited himself over to someone's house. Oh, all the parents roll their eyes as they think of that kid that's always in the backseat of their car after church, that they've got to take home and feed, discipline, entertain, and then probably taxi back home or take to school in the morning, right? I shouldn't laugh too much because I feel like Lee and I are still those kids because if we're a little bit skinny on the budget or we haven't prepared food, we're pretty pushy with mum and dad about coming over for dinner. It's probably a bad analogy, actually, because we don't invite ourselves over. We invite them to our house and then demand that they bring food <laughs> with them. <laughs> but, but I think Jesus had a different motive. I think Jesus might have been a different kind of guy. Jesus welcomed Zacchaeus into his life because he knew that he had what Zacchaeus needed. Do you know that as a church, as individuals, as followers of Jesus, you have the solution to what our world 
is looking for. We have the key to what some people don't even know they need unlocking in their life. Look at the confidence that that gave Jesus when he said, bring me over to your place. I'm coming to you for dinner. What kind of confidence does that give us when we see people coming into our life? How will we react when people come into our life? What barriers of offense would we overcome if we knew that we had the key to eternity in that person's life? Our story, the message of the gospel which you hold in your heart, when shared with someone, can change their life. It's incredible. I challenge you to make room for one more in your life. I challenge you to welcome those who are coming into your life. Don't be that person that says, I've already got my circle of friends. Make room for one more. And the second point, I'm going to need another bottle of water soon, is share. Share with those who are staying. I feel like this is an open, closed book kind of one because clearly Jesus had so many followers. But he was very intentional about selecting 12 from hundreds and then even three from the 12 that he paid special attention to. He allowed them to ask questions and he answered them even more directly. Listen to the way Jesus treats his disciples in Mark 43. He's telling parables to a large group of people like he often did. But then he says in Mark 43, Mark 4, 33, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, the crowds, as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. He explained everything. This is risky, right? What would it look like right now if we did some sort of weird church exercise where we turned around and just shared everything with the person next to you? It's scary, isn't it? If you poured out your heart to just the person standing next to you. We can't do life alone, though. And I'm not saying you should just pick the random person next to you. The message is that if you have someone that's staying in your life, a stayer, as I like to call them, then you need to share your life with them also. We can't do life alone. We can't do life bottling up all of our pain, all of our fears, all of our anxieties, and we can't do life alone bottling up all of our successes, all of our achievements. We have to share our life with people. Life's purpose is vanilla without people. Choose wisely, make sure they are stayers and share your life with people, but remember to listen too. Welcome those who are coming and share with those who are staying. And Judas, that Judas, had to go and ruin everything, didn't he? This story is incredible though, because if you if you really listen in to what happens in the story of Jesus, I believe there is an incredible clue into the love of our God. In Matthew 26, 47 to 50, it says, While he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. With him was a large crowd armed with swords and clubs, sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. 
Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. Do what you came for, friend. Friend. Welcome those who are coming. Share with those who are staying. And celebrate those who are going. How would you celebrate someone who was about to betray you, about to sentence you to death? Let me tie this all together. What made the character of Jesus so compelling? What made him so confident in himself? What was it about his character that allowed him to welcome himself into the life of tax collectors and call the ultimate betrayer friend? Remember Luke 19.9, the story of Zacchaeus? Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. When Jesus formed the disciples, he said, Did I not choose you, the twelve, in John 6.70? Did I not choose you, the twelve? The verb to choose is a key word in Bible history. God chose Abraham and then chose Israel to be his chosen people. It is God's choice or election that forms God's people, the people of the covenant. What makes the covenant unbreakable is God's choice. God chose to love Abraham and all of his descendants forever. Zacchaeus was a son of Abraham. The Apostle Paul would comment on this later in Romans eleven twenty nine 29, when he said, God's gifts and call are irrevocable. God's choice is irrevocable. And God chooses you. No matter what you have done, no matter what you will do, God chooses you. Because of God's irrevocable choice, when he declared Abraham and all of his descendants chosen, he could not treat Judas any differently. Even when he knew that Judas was going to betray him, he still called him friend. Oh, I don't know what that does in your heart. But for me, I know that is the message of the gospel. Nothing can separate us from his great love. Yeah, but Judas, you ultimately crucified him. No, friend. But I haven't got everything right. I'm not doing everything right. Friend. I've done all these things and that person hasn't. Friends. How would we approach people? What would forgiveness look like if we knew that that person was God's irrevocable choice. His son, his daughter. Welcome those who are coming. Share with those who are staying and celebrate those who are going. It's powerful, isn't it? Now, we've got a little bit heavy, so I'm going to use a demonstration. Is that all right? I've been preparing this demonstration since 8.45 this morning. (laughs) 
I'm going to move this table. I need six people. No. Five people. I haven't asked anyone, so please come up on stage now. Come on, Elias, you're the only one. Four others. Come on. I'm going to wait till all of them are out here. Who have we got? Thank you, Tim. Thank you. There we go. These ones aren't scary. These are all right. Look, I've gone real intense with this. Could you put that at that end, Mim? I'm glad to see that it's come to you. Yeah, yeah. Ah, uh, just to the other side. This is the bit I didn't want to pull out before everyone got here. This is going to distract from everything I've just said. Um, yeah, it's high school. Piece of paper. <laughs> Whoa. Piece of paper. Piece of paper. Uh, piece of paper. Can you go up there and join those guys? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with Elias because he's a stayer. Right. Yeah, can you, can, you, can you put those in the end? This is one of those demonstrations that you should have, like, set up a lot earlier. Yeah, 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 just, like, pierce them. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. Sorry, paper. <laughs> Strength. Use it all. Do you want me to push? Hey! Push them on a bit further. Like, let's go up to here. <laughs> I have no idea if this is going to work. I need you guys to all line up and hold the paper... Like that. Sideways. Keep your heads away. Yeah. Oh, this is so not going to work. Um, no, no, not, not, not always. It doesn't work that way. I tested it out. I'm only going to get through the first one, I think. But all I want to illustrate. You're going to use this to remember... What do we do to those people that are coming into our life? We welcome them. Those who are stayers, we... Those who are going, celebrate. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I want to suggest what the opposite of that is. The opposite of celebrating those who are going and not welcoming those who are coming and ignoring those who are staying is what happens when we focus on our past. And I believe that when we focus on our past, it becomes a weapon towards our future. Well Let's do this. Stick is past. Yellow things, things in my past. Get it? Yeah, 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 We're going good here. Oh. Yeah? Okay. Elias, he's my stayer. Oh, I'm so close. Elias, come back with me. Okay. So I picture things in our past. We talk about soul ties and things that are, are connected to our family of origin, our past hurts or our past good things that we've gone through. And we talk about them as soul ties, but I like to picture them more as rods in our back. Keep coming with me, Elias. I don't want to hit you. And what happens is, can we see a label over there that says past? I put the one right. So it says past over there if you can't see it. If we focus <laughs> on our past, if we focus on our past, as we move into our future, thanks for the help, Tim, Yep. Our past suddenly becomes a weapon towards our 
<laughs> and what you'll see is you can let go of the paper now. That even when I choose to come back to my future, I've already destroyed some of it. When we focus on our past, it can become the weapon towards our future. When we listen to those who are staying, they can tell us, hey, you're like, well, let's do it this way. I'm, 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 ex I'm extending the analogy now. I haven't thought about this. Elias stand next to me, right? He's a stayer. As I focus on my past, I bring him to that same point too, don't I? But if I'm actually listening to Elias, he's going to tell me, Josh, stop looking back in that direction. Start moving in this direction, right? What do we do? We listen to those we... I've gone blank. Oh, we, uh, we, we, uh, we share with those who are staying. Share with those who are staying. We celebrate those who are going, and we welcome those who are coming. Cool. We nailed it. Thanks, guys. Yeah, no worries. There we go. We've filled in five minutes. Mum said preach longer. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Let's bring it all back. Who you are, hang, who you hang around matters. Who you are matters more, but who you believe in matters most. We like to say that famous line, you show me your friends and I will show you your future. I think Jesus came with a slightly bigger message, a more challenging message, a message that mattered less about who we have in our life and what makes us feel good and more about what would make the world better. You show me your friends and I will show you your future. I believe Jesus said, you show me your unity, church, and I will show the world my love. You show me your unity, church, and I will show the world my love. Look at John verse, chapter 17, verse 20 to 23. Jesus is praying at this point. He's just prayed for his disciples, and now he prays for all believers. That's you and I. And I ask not only for these disciples, but also for those who will one day believe in me through their message. Jesus is speaking out of his word directly to us at this point. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you have given to me, I have given them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. You live fully in me and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you have sent me. For they will see that you love each one of them and with the same passionate love that you have for me. You show me your unity, church, and I will show the world my love. In unity, God commands a blessing. In the NIV Bible, it uses that John 17 chapter, and it says, they may be brought to complete unity, then the world will know. You know, on Friday, we hosted our local 
member, federal member of Canning, Andrew Hastie, and we had Senator Amanda Stoker here along with 25 other pastors and chaplains. And they were here to share about their efforts to put in place a Religious Freedom Act as a response to a whole heap of, I learned a lot about politics on Friday, that would allow religious organizations and schools to express their faith and act on it in Australia. Pretty scary stuff. Yes, our world is scary at times. Yes, I believe that we should enter this arena full of grace and truth. Yes, it'll be messy, and yes, we're not going to get it right all the time. But what can we do now, despite our political preference or our political influence? We can be united as a church. Jesus said, I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. Our belief in Jesus Christ unifies us. It is our unity that sends a message to believers, a message to our broken world. It's our unity that sends a message to our broken world. Let's fight for unity as a church. Who you hang around matters. Who you are matters more, but who we believe in matters most. We've got to welcome those who are staying. I challenge you to invite one more person into your life because you have the confidence that you have the message that they need. Listen to those who are staying because without people, our purpose is vanilla. And celebrate those who are going. Because God's irrevocable choice, he chose you. And he chose people to bring hope. He chose our church to bring hope. The unified church, the hope of the world. Let's pray, hey, as the team comes up. Dear Lord, I... I thank you that you chose us, God. Ultimately, I can't even understand why. Why us, God? But it doesn't matter, Lord, because when you make a promise, you see it fulfilled. And I thank you that you are a faithful God. Lord, I thank you that you chose people to transform this world. And Lord, I pray this morning that we would understand what it means to be like Jesus. That God, this morning, as we choose to plant this seed in our life, apply it and put it into action, that we are the kind of church, Lord, that when the world looks at us, they see love. Lord, I pray that your love in this moment right now would wash over us, that it would heal wounds, heal our brokenness, and restore the parts of us, Lord, that need you. Lord, I pray for this next moment, the moment that we invite people into a relationship with you, Jesus. I pray that you would bless it. I pray that even right now, you would be tugging on their heartstrings, that you would be calling them. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Right now, I want to go into a moment 
And I ask you to keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. And I want to give that invitation because I truly believe that who we believe in matters most and it matters to eternity. And that message that we hold on to, if you're sitting there and you're thinking, I have no idea what he's talking about, please just listen up in this moment here. Jesus came and was sent by God himself into our earth and crucified on a cross for our sins. Past, present, and future. And his message was that when we believe in him, he would come into our hearts, that he would dwell inside of us, and that we would no longer die and just die, but that we would have eternal life beyond the grave. He also promised that on earth we would live an abundant life. And so this morning, if I, I just want to say a prayer with you. If you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, I'd love to invite you in this moment. So just raise your hand now as I count to three. One, two, three. If that's you, Look, I, I stumbled through my words, but I know that God is greater. And if you feel that thing in your heart tugging, maybe it's Jesus welcoming you, asking you, calling you into a new life beyond what you were going through. I'm going to take a little bit longer. If I haven't seen you, please put your hand up high. Awesome. Awesome. A united church with a belief in the one Jesus. Lord, use this church to reveal your love to our city. Lord, as we go into worship, we worship with that heart that says you are great God. You are a good God. And Lord, we thank you that you chose us to be your, your people. When you stand to your feet, we're going to worship right now. And if you need prayer for anything in your life right now, we would love to pray for you. We're going to make this moment part of our service every single week. I'm not worried if one comes down. I'm not worried if none come down. I just want to make it an opportunity for people's lives to be transformed because we don't just enjoy church, we live church, and then we will enjoy it. So thanks, Mim. If that's you and you want to make your way to the front, please do it now.